0: Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. Today's episode, I chat with Mimi about the birth of her daughter. Mimi already had a great sense of what true physiological birth looks like from her work in the field as a doula, hypnobirthing practitioner, and a photographer. So it was a no-brainer when she chose to birth her baby safely at home. We chat about the positive impacts getting in tune with her cycle had on her and what she learned from her birth about the suggestibility of women in labor. I hope you guys enjoy today's show. Hi Mimi, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, So I live in Belambo Heights, which is just um, over the border from the Gold Coast. So I'm literally like, you know, 20 minutes from the heart of the Gold Coast and then 20 20 minutes from Byron Shire. So kind of a really, really beautiful part of the world. And my family, um, I have one little one. Her name's Lua and she is 18 months old, I think like tomorrow. Um, and my husband, Chris, is um, yeah wonderful. He has two businesses of his own and um, super busy and loving and very present, which is great. And we've got a dog named Kona and a cat named Osho. Oh, I love those names. They're so
0: unique. <laughs> what does lua mean? It means moon in Portuguese. Oh, wow. That is so beautiful. Now, you support women as a career. Do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. I kind of,
1: um, I wear a lot of hats, but I have a business called La Luna Birth Collective. hmm and um I'm a doula, a hypnobirthing teacher and I do photography and videography. Amazing. Yeah, so I do quite a bit, but I love all of it and it just means that every single week I get like I get to do so many different things that I love that are so varied. Yeah. Um and you know, like I have my creative outlets and then and then my work that I'm just so passionate about helping women have positive births.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: And, yeah, I kind of get to do so much that I love. Yeah,
0: it's so wonderful. And did you plan your pregnancy with Lua? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, it was definitely
1: planned. Um, And Lua was called in for sure.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Yeah, I actually felt like she was communicating with me as we were trying
0: because we tried for – about six months for her yeah okay and was there anything in particular you did that you feel helped with that whole process um yeah
1: um I think probably the biggest thing and this is something that I'm also really passionate about and figuring out how to incorporate into my work but I think the the biggest thing was just getting really um in sync and and having a really amazing relationship with my period yeah
0: okay
1: and with my cycle you know growing up I always was just um, was taught kind of oh you take you know you take ibuprofen and um you know like you put your tampon in and you just like go about life as normal Mm. um you know and like we're lucky to have tampons because you can still go swimming you can do everything and you never even have to act like you're on your period
0: yeah
1: um Whereas then, yeah, I've just found, and especially leading up to getting pregnant that first time, I and mean, when I was in that six months, like so in sync with my cycle, and aware of it like throughout the whole month. Um, and then I was just finding that my period itself was like so powerful, and sitting with the sensations, and leaning into them, and like welcoming them, and
0: yeah.
1: and kind of go like letting myself go deep into the emotions and kind of into the underworld during that time and and I felt like that and really healing my relationship with my period had a huge effect on the way that I was able to surrender to the sensations and the experience of birth
0: yeah can I ask because I'm hearing this a lot with the women that I'm interviewing, that, you know, women are getting more in tune with their cycles, not just on a physical level, but an emotional level as well, and how it can drastically change the way you live your day-to-day life. So for the listeners who want to know more about this, but don't know where to start, where did you start?
1: Yeah. Um, the, the book that really kind of opened my eyes to all of it is called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Okay,
0: awesome.
1: And yeah, it's it's amazing. It just um, it helps you to really understand the full cycle every month and to to get to know your body and to know like the changes in your cervix throughout the month and the changes in your cervical fluid and mm-hmm. um, and it just gives you so many tools. And I remember the the first time I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. like. I am, you know, like, I'm definitely every single one of my daughters is going to have a copy of this and like, you know, read it when they're going through puberty. And like, this is just so important. And it's just so much information that we're not taught, which is just ridiculous. Wild. Yeah. And I thought, sorry, I was going to say this before, but when, when we were trying to conceive, I started seeing and finding feathers everywhere we went, Mm um, yeah, and I started collecting them, and it was, like, it was to the point where it was, like, 20 feathers a day, like, wow. like, crazy, just, like, everywhere I looked I was finding feathers, and I was, like, okay, like, I get it, you're coming, <laughs> you're coming.
0: Um,
1: and then, yeah, that was kind of in, like, the two weeks
0: when I probably would have already conceived but didn't know it yet. Wow. And was there any significance with the feathers, yeah. or you just felt like that was her?
1: I just – yeah, I just felt that was her. I didn't, yeah. um, I didn't really have any prior connection to them, but then, yeah, they just kind of started showing up, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How was your pregnancy with her? Um,
1: beautiful in some ways and challenging in others. Mm-hmm. Um, I had hyperemesis gravidarum for <gasps> seventeen weeks. Yeah. Oh, um. So thank goodness it went away, mm. and you know the whole kind of second half of my pregnancy, I got to really really enjoy it and the whole the whole first part was I think for most people the the first trimester is in a lot of ways kind of a journey through the shadows yeah um but yeah that was definitely like really true for me um you know emotionally like I was throwing up like 30 times a day I mean yeah. obviously not actually stuff wasn't coming out the yeah. whole time um mostly it was bile um mm, yeah cool but yeah if I wasn't lying down I was throwing up oh, gosh. I mean in some respect I was lucky because I know people who were unable to keep any food or liquids down and just had to repeatedly go to hospital to to get IVs and um and that kind of thing whereas if I ate while I was lying down and didn't get up then I could keep food down yeah um and so, yeah, so I never actually had to go to the hospital for it. And I was lucky that the work that I was doing was just from home on the computer, um, doing marketing for a travel company. And so I was able to, you know, do that lying in bed. Yeah, yeah so so that was challenging. But then the second half um, was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just feeling like really in touch with the baby and and I slowed down a lot I mean I, I didn't have like a super fast-paced life at that point anyways because when I was so sick in the first half I just kind of stopped everything and then didn't pick too much back up but um but, yeah, I was just kind of really in touch with Lua inside my belly. I didn't know it was a girl, but mm-hmm. really felt it was a girl. And even when we were trying to conceive, we were saying, Lua, we're ready for you. Yeah. like, you can come now.
0: <laughs> was there anything you did during your pregnancy to ready yourself for birth?
1: Yeah, so I was already – I had done my doula training prior to that and was already mm-hmm. working as a doula um, a bit kind of on the side of my – other work um, before that. And so I had a lot of knowledge already. And also I had done my hypnobirthing um, practitioner training as well. And so when I was pregnant, I already knew how kind of important it was for me to go all the way through the hypnobirthing process from Mm -hmm. start to finish um, and have my husband there to do it as well. And so um, we actually went and did the hypnobirthing course that I teach with a different practitioner here on the Gold Coast.
0: Um,
1: And that was just so special to just have that time set aside every week for five weeks when it was, you know, just focusing on preparing for the birth and and connecting with baby and with each other. And um, yeah, I really appreciated that in having just the structured format of like what to practice every week, even though. Like, I know, like, I already knew all of the knowledge and I had all of the, you know, affirmation tracks and relaxation tracks and everything. But I think i knowing myself, I need kind of someone holding me to a schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was really great. And then um I just walked a lot, took a lot of walks, like starting at the very beginning of pregnancy and and all the way through. And that was just huge, like listening to birth podcasts um yeah so many birth stories Mm -hmm. I mean that's just like all the time for me yeah (laughs) (laughs) just normal life I just love birth and listen to birth stories constantly but um Mm -hmm. but yeah listening to lots of birth stories and affirmations and um yeah
0: and what model of care did you end up choosing
1: I had a private midwife
0: okay for a home birth amazing and w- what was the inspiration behind choosing to home birth
1: yeah just um having a background in birth like working in birth for a few years I just I deeply feel that birth for healthy women with healthy babies should not be taking place in hospitals. Yeah. um and yeah I just know I knew that that
0: was where I felt safest and like
1: I wouldn't be interfered with Mm, absolutely
0: how far along were you when you went into labor do you want to take us to that moment
1: yeah I was 39 weeks plus five days I think nice I had up to that point I had had a bit of um, concern from my midwife over the growth of my fundal height
0: okay what's that
1: Do you know, do you know how they measure the growth of your fundal height? So it's the distance from your pubic bone to the top of your uterus. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's quite, it's a quite common way if you're not doing like scans and stuff to keep track of the growth of the baby. Yeah. Okay. Got you. Yeah. And after 20 weeks, it's supposed to be within two centimeters of the number of weeks you are. So like when you're 25 weeks, it should be from between 23 and 27 centimeters.
0: Okay.
1: Um, But mine, towards like 36 weeks or so, it kind of stopped growing um, or wasn't growing as much as she wanted it to. And then it actually went backwards, which apparently, according to her guidelines here in Australia, they say that it's meant to continue growing at that same rate all the way up until birth, mm-hmm. but I did heaps of research and found all these diagrams that actually show that around 37 or 38 weeks, the fundal height does go backwards as the baby drops into the
0: pelvis. Mm-hmm. Which makes complete sense.
1: Um, yeah, and it made a lot of sense to me. And um, yeah, she wanted me to go get a scan to check on baby's size and and everything. And I'd had quite a... It was a bit small, um, but... I, yeah, just really did a lot of research and then checked in with myself and felt and felt that baby was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't go to do that, but that was kind of my, like, that was my test. I think, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think everyone in almost every woman that I walk with through pregnancy, there's something that comes up that, that their care provider really wants to check more into. Yeah. So I declined the scan um, which has given me a really kind of a really good basis of experience for then working with the women who, who I do work with to kind of look at what they're being told by their care providers, but then do their own research and listen to their intuition. And, um, you know, for me to be able to support their decisions mm-hmm. because I kind of did that for myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then at 30, Nine plus five, I think. It might have been thirty-nine plus four that that my um my water started leaking, my amniotic fluid. I took a nap in the afternoon and when I woke up I was like, Oh, that feels kind of like squishy and wetter than it normally is. Um and yeah, I just kind of went about my evening a little bit and every so often I'd feel like a little gosh. And I let my midwife know and caught some of it on a pad and, and sent her a picture. And she was like, okay, well, that looks, um, you know, like a good color and and everything. And I knew because, um, you know, my, my waters had opened. And so there was, for her, a bit of a clock on labor starting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, during that night, I started having some mild surges and... Um, I remember waking up at maybe like three or four AM and lying in bed with Chris and we just had a little like really sweet chat about like, Oh, you know, this might be our last night in our bed without Mm -hmm. a baby, just the two of us. Like, this is so special. And yeah, I woke up in the morning and they were still like super mild and not close together. But throughout that day, they kind of just steadily got closer together and, um, mid-morning Chris went and like did a big shop um for food for you know a few weeks and I laid out in the sun on the grass in our front yard and journaled and um Mm -hmm. you know it was just really poignant and I'm so glad to have that journal entry now that I can look back on and remember what it felt like so special Yeah, it was so special. And I had had a friend who had a really beautiful labor and she spent some time in very early labor, really connecting with the land, like with her feet, her bare feet on the ground and like laying in the grass. And she was like, I just think that that grounding my energy like that really helped. And so I wanted to be sure to do that. So, yeah, I spent some time out on the grass in the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then through that day Chris just cooked like a few big meals to put in the freezer and everything was getting stronger my surges were getting stronger and kind of getting to the point where I would like close my eyes and feel through them but then I was fine in between them and my midwife did come to to check in and see how I was doing um and then she left again and was like yeah you know like things are happening but try and you know like get as much rest as you can and and don't act like you're in labor until you literally can't ignore it, which is, I think some of the best advice. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going for a walk around the neighborhood and seeing some of our neighbors and, and they were, and we were like, guess what? I'm in early labor. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it's so exciting telling people that. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: did, they obviously knew you were having a home birth. Yeah, they did. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And just like walking around the neighborhood and like pausing when a surge would come yeah. and, and just, you know, like feeling into it, breathing through it. It was so nice. Mm-hmm. And um, mid-afternoon, I had um, I had a friend that was meant to come for a visit that day and another friend who was coming to give me a massage. And that these were just planned before I was in labor. And I kind of told both of them what was up. And, um, but that I'd still love to see them and so they were still both going to come but um, one of them ended up arriving late and the other arrived early and so they got there at the same time and the friend who was just coming for a visit is a Reiki practitioner okay. and then the other one is a, a massage therapist and so um, they, I just laid in bed and put on my birth playlist and and they just like had their hands on me and were like massaging me and loving on me and then when I would have a surge they'd just stop and have their hands on me supporting me through wow. and that was like magical for yeah. just I think you know like that they were there for an hour and a half or two hours or something it was pretty long mm. and during that my labor like really kicked in like that's when I like went into the birth zone
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: mentally and like didn't come back out um and that was so beautiful like anyone that can have their friends come over and you know physically love on them and give them massage and stuff early in labor that's like awesome yeah how amazing <laughs> um yeah and I look at that and I'm like wow I couldn't have planned that better for just like really getting oxytocin yeah, flowing yeah
0: absolutely and then when they
1: left I like I was ready for them to leave I was like I just want to be alone with Chris yeah um, and I think Chris was also, like, feeling a little bit jealous, oh. you know, because, like, they were in there supporting me. But he's like, I want to be with
0: her, too. Oh, so um, sweet.
1: Yeah, and so when they left, Chris just laid down in bed with me and was cuddling me and we have some videos of um, that he took, like, selfie videos, like, holding oh, it up, and I had my oh eyes God. closed, and I was just, like, making, like, animal, you know, like, moaning, really low moaning sounds, because I had my mouth, like, way open, oh, bless and, like, loose jaw, and was just like, oh... <laughs> So <laughs> and he's funny. got these videos of, like, him in bed lying. there, are like, smiling and oh me making these, like, really crazy <laughs> sounds with Trevor Hall playing in the
0: background. Amazing.
1: So funny. Um, yeah, and then that – so I think around, like, early evening, maybe, like, 5.30 or so. 5.30 or 6 is when we told our birth team to come over.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and – yeah, at that point, I was, like, really zoned out. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was, like, yeah, it's, time, like, it's time for them to come because, like, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> um, and and so that was um, my doula, who is my best friend here in Australia. And she was actually just doing her doula certification. So I was one of her, um, like, certification births. Oh, amazing. And... I had, and then I had a photographer, videographer, mm-hmm. um, who is also named Laura. Is a beautiful friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll just say their Instagram names in case anyone wants to follow them because yeah. they're
0: fabulous. Go um, for it. I'll put their info in the show notes as well. Yeah,
1: great. So my doula, um, Laura. Her business is called Birthing from the Heart. Mm-hmm. And my photographer, videographer, Laura is um, her business is Rewild Her Birth, okay. and and then my midwife, Kelly Walker. Yeah, yeah highly recommend all of them. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they all sort of slowly trickled over. Um, my doula was there first, mm-hmm. which was nice, and then I think the midwife arrived last, and um. Yeah, things get a bit hazy in there, but um, I was kind of... I know I got in the shower and I really didn't like the feeling of the shower on me when a surge was happening, and so I would try and, like, crawl out of the shower, but then I liked it between the surges. Um, Did
0: you have a birth pool to birth in, or...? I had a birth
1: pool blown up, and that was that was sort of the plan, although my whole pregnancy I'd been sort of not not very attached to the idea like like I like the idea of it but I just was like oh you know I don't really mind the baby can come where they want to come and if I feel like getting in the pool then I'll be in the pool
0: yeah exactly
1: um and so yeah we had one blown up and ready to go um spoiler alert she didn't I never actually got in (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so I kind of was just laboring and going about my, my thing. And then at a certain point, I think it was about midnight. um, My midwife had, she had said, I told her that I didn't want any internal exams. And that was on my, um, you know, my sort of like birth preferences that I'd shared with her. And she was like, well, at this point, I would generally offer a cervical exam. Mm -hmm.
0: um,
1: And I kind of have to, based on the guidelines, But I know that you don't want any. And so I think you should say no, Okay, which was really great of her to phrase it that way. Because I think um, when you're in that state, it's you're so suggestible. Mm. It's so like having been in that state and having such a supportive birth team who was all sort of there for, you know, what what my wishes were was amazing but I can so see how if someone's telling you something else you're just like like do whatever you want (laughs) like I can't make a decision right now
0: So
1: um yeah and so she offered me a cervical exam but but I declined and she was like okay well based on kind of what I'm seeing because I I wasn't very I wasn't crazy loud like I was just doing that same moaning Mm -hmm. with my mouth open and um yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't seem like I was in very intense labor. Okay. Although I had actually at this point sorry I should have said this, but I'd actually already thrown up mm-hmm. um like once or twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel I remember vaguely, I remember my midwife saying, like, Okay, are you are you throwing up because it's so intense or or, you know, is your body just kind of reacting in this way to the sensations? And I was like, I don't know, I think it's really Like, I think it's intense, but, like, is it going to get more intense? I don't know. And so I don't, yeah, and I wasn't really communicating. Like, I couldn't talk very well, and so I was just Mm. in it. But but at one point, even, like, before that, I had been kind of, like, shaking. And in my head, I was like, okay, like, maybe I'm in transition. Um, And then at this point, she was like, you know, I think you still have quite a long way to go. Like, I don't think you're in very intense labor yet and it'll probably be tomorrow morning before baby comes Mm. um and this is at midnight okay and so internally I was like Mm. like my heart dropped yeah um and and she went to take a nap in the guest bedroom and my doula had gotten a call from her husband that her baby was having a really hard time going to sleep he was like 10 months at that point and he was like I can't get him down if you can can you please come home to to help me get him to sleep and then go back and so based on what the midwife had said Laura was like do you mind if I just go get my baby down Um, and I'll come right back and she only lives 20 minutes away so not super far and I was like I was like I don't care do whatever you want like you know I was like yeah fine whatever um And yeah, and the videographer went to take a nap on the couch and Chris and I went into our bedroom. Um, and yeah, the next hour I'm, yeah, I must've been in transition. I think I probably already was before that based on like the throwing up and shaking and thinking it was like very intense. But, but then that hour was like, like wild. The surges were like on top of each other and I was crawling in circles on the bed and Chris was crawling like on his knees behind me, squeezing my hips during surges. And we were just like collapsing between them and they would, there would be like sometimes like 10, 15 seconds between them. And I'd be like another mm. and get up on my hands and knees again. And, um and yeah, I remember having my eyes open and like sort of seeing the room, but also I wasn't seeing the room Mm -hmm. like it it was something totally different like a different plane that I was seeing like it's just it's so hard to explain Mm -hmm. um and I kept in that hour I kept feeling like I had to poo like so bad and so in that hour, I went to the toilet like three times to try and poo and just couldn't poo. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to, but it just was like so intense, that feeling of needing to poo. And so I kept saying to Chris, I was like, I'm so sorry, I'm going to have to try and poo again. <laughs> I don't know why I was apologizing. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, and then in that hour also, just my mind was such an interesting space to be in because... Um, Because my midwife had put it in my mind that this was still only really early and it was going to get way more intense and go on for another, what, like six or eight hours or something. And I I was like, I was feeling so defeated. Mm. Um, Like in my head, I didn't say anything out loud, but um, in my head I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I like, I can't do this. I'm going to have to go to hospital and, Mm. and get, you know, pain relief and like, you know, I'm going to have to totally go off of my birth plan and what I was thinking. Um, which, yeah, just taught me so much about the suggestibility of women yeah. in labor and being so careful about what you say. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, the third time that I went to the toilet to try and poop, I was just like, clearly pushing. Yeah. <laughs> like I just couldn't. I Yeah, my sounds had changed. And I was like, I can't not push now like I have to and my midwife like popped her head out and she's like something sounds different um and and so she brought me like a towel and cleaned my hand off and was like just reach up and see if you can feel anything and I reached up and um baby's head was only like one knuckle in mm. uh, and I was like there's something like right there but it was it's so funny how I don't like I've you know, I've seen babies be born, and I know that their head won't feel like a hard skull.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but for some reason, when you're in labor, or for me, it just like didn't compute, and I was like, "But it feels like mushy and like weird." <laughs> and she was like, "Okay, well, let you know, like, I'll go wash my hands and I'll have a feel." And she went and washed her hands and, and came back, and she's like, "Oh, yep, there's a baby right there." <laughs> okay. Um, let's get the birth pool filled up. And so she and my doula, oh, sorry, at this point, my doula wasn't back yet. And my photographer, videographer um, came up and was like, oh, she's pushing. Oh, let me call Laura. And so she called in, um, and was like, oh, quick, come back. Mimi's pushing. And um, yeah, so Laura was like racing back up the hill to Balambo Heights where I live. <laughs> and she said she was like, oh, no, I'm not going mm. like, to. I don't want to miss the birth. <laughs> um but she made it. She made it in time, which was good. And yeah, my midwife got, got busy trying to fill up the birth pool. Um, and, but had made me like a little kind of like nest in the bedroom on the floor, just put down like some pillows and stuff and covered them with a waterproof, um, mat and some blankets. And, and I was just in my ha- on my hands and knees in there. And yeah. And then she was filling up the birth pool um, and now that I look at it, like, I think in that whole sort of, or maybe not the whole hour, but part of it, like when I was having that intense urge to go poop, I think, I think I was already pushing, like my body was pushing. I just yeah. wasn't allowing myself to add anything to it. Cause yeah. when I actually felt her head, she was already quite far down the birth now.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And then, and then I was just pushing in the bedroom Um, and the, yeah, the feeling was so intense, but so satisfying. It was so nice just to, to feel her moving down through my body and, um, you know, and know that I was getting close, but I think I still didn't really like compute how close I was. Like it still felt really far away. Um, and then, and then my midwife came up. Eric came and was like, "Oh, the birth pool's full. Do you want to come get it?" <laughs> I, I was. I just looked at Chris and I was like, "Should I?" <laughs> Which I don't know why, but I just was not able to make decisions for myself. And he was like, "Well, it might be nice." <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll go after the next surge." And so after the next surge, I went to stand up, and another surge came right away. And so I like leaned over the bed and was, um, kind of in like, like one knee down and one one foot on the ground like squatting yeah um and in that surge her head came out oh, wow yeah and so um yeah and then she she just he, she had her hand up by her head so she had okay um Is said a nuchal hand yeah and um Yeah, she had that, like, a little Superman, (laughs) and she came out, and she was, like, looking around um, when her head was out, Mm. and, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember what I think Chris was saying, like, oh, like, she has her eyes open, Mm. Um, she's looking at me, or not she, we didn't know it was a she yet, but, like, um, and then... And then, yeah, she came out and Chris caught her and handed her up to me between my legs Mm. and I sat back. And um, I think Chris saw when he was, like, caught her. I think he was like, it's Lua. (laughs) It's our girl. So beautiful. Um, Yeah, and then she was just, she cried right away and was so, like, present and alert. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see in the birth video, like, she's just, there yeah um so beautiful and yeah and we just sat there for maybe maybe 10 minutes and then my placenta was ready to come out I started feeling surges and um yeah and so it was just like oh my placenta is coming and um had like a bowl with a colander in it and just crouched over it and it came right out amazing um and then crawled up onto the bed with my baby and got under the covers (laughs) and it was
0: how did you feel in that moment
1: well it's it's interesting I wasn't back yet
0: yeah
1: okay I wasn't back in my body and I like there's times I'm like oh I really wish that I had been more present but that's where I'm so glad that I have the video because I think you know like that's um my body and my mind were doing exactly what they needed to do. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, and my ability to kind of surrender so fully was, I think what, what helped me to have such a beautiful, wonderful labor. Um, and so, you know, I think that that was just natural that it took me a few hours to really come back into my body. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that it was like a few hours later when I started saying like, whoa, I'm coming back. Like that was wild. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. That was so cool. But I think in those in those first really early moments, it was like pure, instinct Mm -hmm. and I think I mean I was present like it was pure instinct and pure presence without without the sort of like
0: lens of awareness Mm, love that explanation what about your placenta did you do anything special with that
1: um yeah we I had Chris cut um about half of it up into like little tiny pieces that were about pill size and then we froze them and then I just took those little frozen pieces like placenta pills and okay, just swallowed cool. them with water.
0: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: then we, I did actually make a smoothie with some of it as well okay. and drink that. Um, yeah. And I did really feel that they made a difference. I didn't take them really regularly, which I think next time I would be more um, regimented about it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, with... With her, it was like, um, yeah, I just kind of took them occasionally. But I, when I would have a day where I was, like, really kind of emotionally struggling, Chris would be like, I think you should take something. <laughs> <laughs> and so he'd, like, get me some. And then the next day I would feel great.
0: Yeah, amazing. Um,
1: and so I did feel like there was a really strong correlation between when I took them and when I felt a lot more sort of emotionally Um, stable and regulated and like I was you know coping with the transitions better versus when I was really struggling with it
0: yeah I felt the same for sure Mm. so I know you had a beautiful birth but is there anything you would do differently second time around
1: well this is a bit radical but I think I um I'm planning to free birth my next baby oh
0: amazing
1: um and that's mainly Just because I, I didn't really feel like I loved my midwife and she's beautiful. And for anyone who's looking for a midwife, I would recommend her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't feel that I needed her there. And I I don't want anyone at my next birth who feels like they are a higher authority than me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I want to be the ultimate authority on what's happening Mm -hmm. in my body.
0: Absolutely. And
1: not have anyone try and tell me where I am in labor or what's happening or, you know, like I think that if there was one thing I would change from my birth, it was being told that I, you know, was earlier in labor than I actually was Mm -hmm. because that, that mental state was, um, was definitely a challenge. Like, I don't think I still loved my birth. Mm -hmm. It was so beautiful. Um, but it took me a few weeks after the birth to kind of, actually shake that feeling of failure yeah. because I had been in that state where I was feeling like I was failing mm. yeah which is just I mean it like that was such a huge lesson yeah exactly um especially in like how I support women and how I protect their space from what's being said to them mm-hmm. um but yeah I just really you know my body did so well and I think more—it's just to have those extra hands around because you know, like filling the birth pool, or um, putting a load of laundry on, or heating up food, or mm-hmm. those kinds of things. Like, and I would a hundred percent at every future birth have a photographer, videographer. Yeah, yeah. We kind of um, when we were coming up to this birth, even though I. I wasn't doing, um, videography yet, so I hadn't made any birth videos, but I had done a lot of birth photography, Mm -hmm. but, um, coming up to the birth, we were already paying for a private midwife, um, and I was kind of like, my, my doula was, she was, um, still doing her training births, so that wasn't a huge expense, but we were still like, oh, is it going to be worth, um, you know. The money to pay because it's just so much money to then put into one day <laughs> which is so funny because you know like I would always encourage people to do that yeah, but definitely. even more so now that I we did make it work and we had Laura come and I actually did an exchange with her because she was pregnant at my birth Okay. and then I um was her doula oh, okay
0: cool
1: so we exchanged those services which was beautiful but now um having that video and those photos is like the most important thing to me. Yeah. They're so beautiful. And I watch my birth video like once a week <laughs> and I share it with my clients. And, oh, um, amazing. and yeah, I would not hesitate to pay, you know, any amount to have my future births photoed and videoed.
0: Definitely. What key piece of advice would you give to any expectant moms out there?
1: Yeah, that's such a good one. Hey. Yeah. (laughs) I would say don't ignore the emotional side of preparing for birth. Yes. Because that's something that I don't think a lot of birth preparation, like courses and stuff, really dig into deeply is kind of going through your associations with birth and, um, and like any kind of blocks that may arise or past experiences that, um, that could color your experience and, and that kind of thing. And I think that that is, um, you know, massively important, just as important as being really well informed Mm
0: -hmm.
1: on the system and what you're getting into and all of the decisions you might have to make. And, um, And then also on, you know, the physiology of birth, like there's so many sides to it, but, um, yeah, get informed and then make sure that you don't neglect that internal preparation. Yeah.
0: So important. Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Mimi. And thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your beautiful journey with us.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: I'll share all of your information in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Do you do online courses or is it face-to-face only?
1: Um, Yeah, well, so I'm actually – I'm currently preparing um, or creating an online birth preparation course Mm -hmm. that does focus um, more on sort of the internal side as well as, you know – being informed on all your options and Mm -hmm. and everything like it kind of does all of that but but does have a big focus on the internal preparation and that will be online
0: okay awesome perfect um yeah thanks Mimi
1: yeah thank you it's been so nice talking to you
0: That brings us to the end of the show, guys. I don't know about you, but I am super keen to get my hands on a copy of Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Sounds so interesting. I also found it really interesting how just one innocent comment from Mimi's midwife had the potential to almost hinder her labor. But like she says, it highlights how easily women can be swayed into things if they are in an environment that doesn't support them while they're off collecting their babies from the stars and unable to make rational decisions. A little food for thought anyway. I Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Let me know what you think of the episode over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.